G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 on Vision weekdays from 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Well, according to our next guest, when a man falls in love with a woman, a bloke's thinking goes something like this. I love her. She's great. In fact, she's perfect. I love her just the way she is, and I hope she never changes. When a woman falls in love with a man, her thoughts are generally, I love him, he's great, but he really needs some work. We could sense a few heads nodding in agreement. Mark Gungor is one of the most sought-out speakers on love and marriage, and he's all about laughing your way to a happy marriage. His unique approach explores the underlying dynamics of relationships and offers a range of really practical solutions. He was in Australia recently on a speaking tour and stopped by for a chat with Lee Hatcher. What started you giving marriage seminars? Uh, I was at a church where I was an assistant pastor. It's like 13 years ago. One day the uh, senior pastor came in and said, uh, who wants to deal with couples? Because he didn't want to deal with them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is a situation for most pastors. It it sucks the life out of you at some point. And uh, nobody raised their hand, so I raised my hand and said, oh, I'll give it a shot. And that was it. Okay. What would you say qualifies you, other than being married, for that role? I am the most unqualified man in the world to do what I do. It's, it's, it's amazing people have Great admission. <laughs> what are you on this program for? That's <laughs> an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, no, seriously, I've, I've got no formal training in this area at all. You say, what is your qualifications? Other than being married, it's quite frankly, there aren't any. Uh, we have been married for 40 years. We've got uh, two children, six grandchildren. And I think that probably qualifies us for a lot of people's perspective. How much did you learn along the way as you taught about marriage? We always had a great marriage. We never had people often say, well, you know, was this born out of a very difficult marriage? You know, that kind of thing. I said, no, we, we actually like each other. <laughs> so it wasn't that big of a deal. So I was trying to learn about other people and understanding them. Was a, there was a lot of learning along the way. Yeah. Really, the key to all this is to understand why people do what they do. That's what drives people crazy. Uh, women desperately trying to make men act like women. Uh, men look at women like they're from outer space, you know, and there's this huge divide yeah. and, and a lot of anger and frustration. But when you start to understand why people do what they do, it changes everything, which sounds very odd, but it's highly effective. Yeah. For example, let's say you come to work and someone in the staff here is being very grumpy and very insulting and short. You, you just want to slap them upside the head. <laughs> Uh, until you find out that, you know, maybe their mom died last night or something. And then you go, oh, oh, okay. Well, what changed? Nothing. Is he still a jerk? Yeah. Is he still short? Yeah. Are you upset anymore? No. Why? Because now you know why he's acting that way. So I spent a lot of time trying to just explain to people why people act the way they do. I spent a lot of time trying to explain the world of men, particularly the world of men to women. Most marriage conferences, 
spend an inordinate amount of time trying to get men to understand women, which is an exercise in futility. <laughs> men will, you can say that. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? A man will never understand a woman. What's ironic is most women can't understand other women. So why they spend all their time there, I have no idea. I spend more time trying to get women to understand men and explain that world. And the lights go on. The men feel validated. The women finally quit feeling so frustrated. And away we go. To understand what's happening with someone else, be it in a marriage or on a staff, it involves thinking beyond ourselves. And we're not very good at that today. No, especially today. We're very narcissistic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the biggest problem in all marriages. Everybody wants what they want the way they want it. And they want it right now. And, of course, we spiritualize it. That's surely what I want. It must be God. It's God's <laughs> will. Truly, truly the Lord would be happy if I got what I got, what I want. Uh, when in reality, we need to learn to die to ourselves. A message that is very strong in the Christian faith. Um, but it's not very strong today, and I think the church is hurting uh, directly in marriages as a result. I mean, Christianity is impossible to read the Gospels and not see how many times Jesus referred to dying to yourself, picking up your cross, laying down your life. I taught a sermon once called God Wants to Kill You. Okay, not the physical you, but the selfish part of you. And there's no more perfect institution designed to kill you than marriage because you can't possibly do it and stay selfish. But we want to be selfish, and a lot of people, if you stop and think about it, actually, most marriages start out, I know some people get mad when because they're so spiritual, these people, you know, but, uh, you know, God put us together, everything else like that. But most people start out, their, their fundamental drive in most beginning of marriages is fundamentally selfish. I love the way you make me feel, and the way you validate me, yes. and the way you support my ministry, and I, I, me, 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 I, 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 oh, let's get married, ah! Oh. So you find two people who feel a very narcissistic connection at some point, and they run off to the altar. Well, that's very short-lived. At some point, that starts to stop, and somebody has to let go. And that's when we start to die to ourselves. If we'll do that freely, we would succeed, but most people don't want to do it. And to realize that marriage needs work. I mean, in those early days, you can't possibly imagine this will need work. Yeah, but because of you know, because we think like the pagan culture in which we live, you know, Paul said, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Romans twelve, right? Why would he say that? Because it's very easy to get conformed to the pattern of this world, and the church for thousands of years has always struggled. And our temptation is to take pagan culture and to spiritualize it, so we fit in, yeah. and it makes it easier. Well, probably the biggest pagan concept we brought into the church is the idea of soulmates, that there's one special person just for you. So we take this pagan Greek concept, we bring it into the church, we spiritualize it. God has one special person just for you. It's so spiritual. You go to almost any Christian singles conference, and that's the way people talk, when in reality, it's basically unbiblical. There's no place in the Bible that ever says anything of the sort, and it's patently absurd. The simple thing about it, all it would take is one person to get it wrong. And the whole system collapses. Yes, yes. If Bob is supposed to marry Sarah, but he doesn't listen to God and he marries Juliet instead, well, what's Sarah supposed to do? That's a good point. Now, Sarah's going to marry John, who was supposed to marry Suzette, you know, and now what's Suzette supposed to do? Now, Suzette marries Fred, who was supposed to marry uh, Wilma. That's where you get the Flintstones from. And the whole thing collapses. <laughs> and, and not only is that absurd, if one person gets it wrong, you can imagine millions will get it wrong. Yeah. But what are we supposed to do to people who come into the church uh, who are saved, who come to Christ for the first time? If we truly believe God created just one special magical person for them, wouldn't we do the first thing? You need to get a divorce, because clearly they did not marry the one God asked them. To. Now, if we did that, Christianity would be the destroyer of cultures. We would traumatize children. We would be scorned, and rightfully so. It is patently absurd. Yet, 
the church today hangs on to this, especially singles, that there's one special person just for me. So when you say people don't want to work at it, they don't think you should have to work at it. Because if I find the right person that God made just for me, why would there be any work? It's a very good point. You also say that women want to work on relationships, but this can make men, I quote, feel ill, nervous, and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Yes. Well, women like working on these things. You know, they're, they're like the, the emotional gardens of their lives. You know, they like to till and pull and, you know, tweak and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to relationship, men are more like firemen. You know what firemen do most of the time? Nothing. Unless there's a fire. Yeah, that's good. So if there's a fire, they will jump to it. They'll move to it. They'll act to it. So in most relationships, you will find that men will do and won't do anything about the marriage relationship until she's really mad or something, there's something really wrong. And he jumps to action like the fireman. Of course, she's mad because she's more the gardener. And how come he wasn't paying attention the whole time? It's just a difference between the way men and women think. So do each need to come a bit more in the middle on that? When you start to understand this is normal for a woman. She's not evil when she's constantly wanting to pay attention to her relationship. That's, she loves that world, okay? But on, and that's really not the problem. <laughs> I find that most relationship, it is not the man who is frustrated. It is the woman who is frustrated. That's really the reality. That's the thing nobody wants to admit. The reality, it is women who are going crazy today, overwhelmingly because they married a man, Okay, and we don't think like women. And because he's not being uh, emotive and he's not paying attention to everything, she goes all crazy and psycho and something gets all upset and goes to the pastor and needs counseling. In reality, she just needs to understand because men aren't always paying attention to the relationship doesn't mean that he's evil. He's a man. We just don't process in those terms. So can I ask it another way? Is she expecting two more or is he not doing enough? In my opinion, mm. yes. <laughs> I think she's expecting too much. <laughs> You're a bloke. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm serious. And when you don't get what you are expecting, you get very, very angry. Yeah. But if that's not the case, then why is it that overwhelmingly it's the females that are more upset than the men? You don't find most guys sitting around with other guys going, oh, man, I just, I'm not connecting with my wife. I don't know why she's not meeting my needs. I don't know why. La, 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 la. A man would never sit and have those kind of conversations. Women have those conversations all the time. <laughs> but maybe the blokes need to step up more to that, do you think? No, I don't. Okay. I really don't. I mean, there's people who would disagree with me, but <laughs> that's right. I'm just saying I don't. That's not, that's... There are women throwing their radios out. No, I know right now, world. but see, because they're convinced. He needs to be more like a woman. And the church has not been helpful in this because we have come and we have validated overwhelmingly the female perspective and saying men need to be more like women. Men need to be more sensitive to women. Men need to be drawn more to that female perspective. And I argue, no, that's not true. I'm not saying women need to be more like men, but we're not expecting you to. I'm saying, you know, from the female perspective, be content. Be happy. You know, this whole idea, they've been taught wrong, quite frankly. You know how many times Christians have quoted, pastors have said, a woman, a man is supposed to meet the emotional needs of a woman. Well, there's not a man on the planet that is designed to meet all the emotional needs of a woman. It's absurd. That's why these people are so frustrated. She'll get married. She'll stick a straw in his brain, suck the life out of him. <laughs> talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And he's going crazy. And saying, you know, why is he supposed to meet all of her emotional needs? It is patently absurd. So then her answer is, well, what do you mean? What should I do? Well, get a life. Get some friends. Volunteer in the church. I mean, this idea that one man is supposed to take all that you need in your heart is an unrealistic expectation. But a man needs to die to self. Well, he needs to be less selfish, and he needs to do what he needs to do and take care of things and fix things. And, you know, we all got to do these things. Uh, but there are things you have to understand. We don't want to do them. A lot of times women get mad because 
not only guys not do them, but they get mad because they don't want to do them. Well, we don't want to do them. Well, what do you care what he wants? I mean, there's this, this, oh, do you know <laughs> the overwhelming thing that I get from women is the question, why? Well, why are men this way? Well, why do I have to do that? Well, why, what difference does it make? What do you say to them? That's exactly what I say to them. What difference does it make? You don't need to know why. Okay, right now, we're talking. Our voices are being sliced. Our sounds every second into thousands of bits of information and putting in things. Then it's running through here. It's running up cables. And it's broadcasting across the air. Do you really know, need to know why it's all doing that? It just is. It just is. Yeah. Okay? Now, we could spend hours, weeks, months, years teaching everyone in your audience why a broadcaster <laughs> is able to do what he does. At the end of the day, has it made any difference at all? Absolutely not. It still is. He turns it on. You turn on your radio. You listen. So I, I think there's this overwhelming obsession of why is that and why do we need that? And how come I need to understand? And I just, I don't know. I, I try to get people just to relax. Look, this is how men are. It doesn't make us evil. It doesn't make us wicked. It just makes us men. We're not women. We're with Mark Gungor. And after a short break, we continue our conversation with him, the number one key to incredible sex That'll keep you listening. You're listening to the 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Mark Gungor is one of the most sought-out speakers on love and marriage, and he's all about laughing your way to a happy marriage. We're partway through a conversation between Mark and Lee Hatcher, so let's return to that now. Mark, how did Laugh Your Way Ministries come into fruition? Where did that start and why? The truth is, in the beginning, I was, I was frustrated by it. I'm not trying to be funny. Actually, I'm sure most people listening right now don't think this is very funny. <laughs> Which is a problem because people, the conference in itself is hilarious. Yes. It is a scream. If you hear it, it is a just rip-roaring scream. But though in interviews like this, it all gets very serious. Yes. Because it's serious stuff that motivates what I'm doing. Yes. Okay, so that's the disconnect there. But uh, when it, the laughter, I just act normal. That's the way I normally talk. For some reason, when I talk normal... It's very funny to people in audiences. My whole family's that way. We all get it. We all are kind of remarked by it. You put any of us in our family, put them in front of an audience, the audience goes crazy laughing their heads off, and we just look at each other again. <laughs> what they laughing really? At? This is what are you laughing at? This is, this is where we talk. But laughter is good for marriage. Uh, yeah, but the, when we say laugh your way to a better marriage, it's not about laughing in marriage. That's probably the biggest misunderstanding in okay. what I do. This, people say, is it important to laugh in your marriage? Well, I'm sure it wouldn't hurt. Some people need to lighten up. But, but a lot of stuff is not funny. It's not funny. When you're disagreeing, you're not funny. You know, when you got to take out the garbage and your wife's got to keep telling you to go take out the garbage, there's no ha-ha-ha in that yes. moment. You know, uh, when he doesn't pick up his underwear, it's not funny. You no. Know? So, so no one's trying to make that funny. No. The laugh your way is the learning process. When you come listening to me in these conferences, I use humor to let them learn about the process. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt people to lighten up. But, there's you know, there's no obligation to sit there and laugh through emerge. Though, again. It wouldn't hurt some people to lighten up. Yes. I want to ask you about four points okay. that you make. First, the tale of two brains. Mm -hmm. Explain what you mean there. There again, it's about how men and women think differently mm. because we're very quick to judge each other and condemn each other. A man will act and think in a certain way. A woman doesn't understand it. She assumes he has a bad heart. It's not his heart, it's his head. And men will do the same thing. It's not all women. Some men are the same way. She does this and she does that. And it gets all, you know, using nasty uh, uh, analogies. You know, she's a witch, you know, or whatever the deal is. Although 
uses a different consonant, some of them. But anyway, the uh, 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 reality is it's that's not she's not evil. It's just the way she is. She's emotive and stuff. You just need to understand it. So that whole tale of two brains is I'm trying to get men and women to understand the way we think. And when you understand why people do what they do, it changes everything. I'm sure it does. Second point, why does he or she do that? You say you've got a new way to discover what makes your spouse tick. Okay. Yeah, well, I've recognized I'm different. How uh-huh. do I do it? Well, a lot of that has to do with temperaments and stuff like that. In other words, you just ask, should people laugh? I mean, there's we laugh at almost everything because we're kind of wired that way. Yeah. You know, fun people laugh at everything. We could be on fire. It would be hilarious, you know. <laughs> right now, the ceiling could fall in here, and I'd laugh my head off, you know. <laughs> and, um, but that's just me, okay? But there's people, you know, they're much more controlling by nature and there's other people who are much more perfectionist by nature other people just very just want to get along with everybody by nature and stuff like that so i start to describe see the tale of two brains is about men and women in general Mm. when we get to the temperaments and motivations we start to describe people in specific so it's one thing to understand men in general but now you need to really understand the one you got the same with men women uh i mean men you married a wife women are certain ways but You need to understand her specifically. We show you how to do that. It also, again, involves thinking about the other one. Here's the thing. For example, one of the most (laughs) insightful things that I do in my conferences that I have gotten for years, people will write to me and say it saved their marriage. I have had people who've been divorced, listened to the simple thing, and then got married again. It's stunning. And that is the truth that men tend to think about nothing. We literally like to sit and think about nothing. That men are actually wired that if you give us an opportunity... We would love to sit, clear our minds, and literally we can think about absolutely nothing. I get that. Oh, yeah. So women come and say, what are you thinking about? (laughs) And we say, well, nothing. And then she gets mad. And he's holding out on me. And, you know, seriously. So I do this whole funny thing on how men literally think about nothing. And it's stunning. You mean to tell me that in and of itself has saved your marriage because now she's not mad anymore. Because she used to get so angry when he would sit and space out and not be connected. Now she realized, oh, he's just in his nothing box. It's fine. That's what I'm talking about. Has anything changed? No. The only thing that's changed is now she understands why he does that. And now she's set free. And I've seen people who, again, other marriages have literally divorced. Heard that message. Oh, my gosh. That's why I was so mad. They apologized to each other, got married again, and off they go to again. Just from that. Are you kidding me? It's that fundamental. But when you don't know why people do stuff, it'll just make you mad all the time. How amazing. Third point goes to the power of forgiveness, how to stay married and not kill anyone. (laughs) I'm sure that attracts attention when you talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is, look, if you can't forgive people, you'll never survive this. Uh, It's amazing. At the end of my conferences, I I usually have couples stand up and just look at each other and say, you know, I'm sorry. Very simple moment. Just take a few seconds. Tears will come down for someone. But But what's amazing is, of course, they've been laughing the whole time. And I said, now I just want you to turn to your wife and just say, you know, I'm sorry. And they'll start crying. Of course, it's kind of weird because they've been laughing for three hours. <laughs> what, what, how are you la- because they've let down all the – that's the nice thing about humor is it gets people to relax yes, and lighten up. Yes. But just to look at each other and say they're sorry. And then I'll hear from people say, you know, in 20 years of marriage, that is the first time I've ever heard my spouse say the words, I'm sorry. Well, how sad is that? Yes. I mean, nobody gets this right. especially You know, I don't. i got to say I'm sorry all the time. <laughs> Sometimes you just wake up and go, I'm sorry. <laughs> What'd you do? I don't know. I haven't done anything yet, but I'm already sorry, man. I know I'm, I'm going to do something. You know? <laughs> I think uh, I get but that. But you've got to apologize and you got to have forgiveness and quit reminding people of, of their failures. And I'd say uh, the one thing I, I teach people about forgiveness, I learned from the redhead sitting here, my wife, who never wants to be 
seen or heard by anybody. But uh, I asked it, her if she wanted to go Yeah, home. she does know. She does <laughs> in all my 40 years, she's never reminded me of my failures. Never. And that in and of itself has been so empowering in my life. And if there's one thing that I'll notice about couples who are struggling, they're constantly reminding each other. You did this and you did it. Yeah, well, you did that. And then I'm trying to get people just stop. Let it go. Forgiveness, I believe, has more to do with your tongue than your head or your heart. You can't control how you feel. You can't control what you remember. People say, well, I can't forget. It doesn't matter. You can't control what you say. And the key to forgiveness is saying, you know, I forgive you. I won't bring it up anymore. I won't use it anymore. We won't talk about the same one. You literally let it go. It's the key. And, and if there's one sign of people who are bitter and unforgiving is they never stop talking about it. I will meet people for the first I don't know them from Adam. They will walk up to me and she'll start telling me, my husband committed adultery and he did this and that. And I'll think, oh my gosh, when did that happen? 25 years ago. And I'll think, serious? I mean, she, the way she's describing it happened yesterday. Yeah. Or he'll do the same thing. She did this. this. They, they, it, it is as fresh as the moment it existed. And oftentimes it's been years. And they need to learn to zip it and quit talking about it. Because that's what feeds it. That's what that session's about. Another key you talk about, the key to incredible sex. Yes. Please tell. The number one key to incredible sex is just exclusivity. One man focusing on one woman. That's very countercultural in the world in which we live. Because we are told by the secular culture that the key to great sex is lust. The more you lust, the more you fantasize, the more you check out the women around you. That's why a lot of these guys, even guys listening right now, Christian men who know better, can't stop looking at porn and stuff. Because they bought into the idea that it's the key to great sex. The more you lust and fantasize and see this stuff, the better your sex life will be, when in fact it's not. I tell people all the time, your mama was right. Snacking will ruin your appetite. <laughs> and, and it does ruin their appetite. And any guy who does this is the proof. All you got to do is ask a guy who looks at porn and does all this stuff to say, let me ask you, how's it working for you? Your sex life really good? And they always shake their heads no. Yeah. The more you do it, the worse it gets. What they need to know is to stop. Just focus on the one girl in your life. Because if all you do is look at what other people have, you'll always be dissatisfied. You can be driving your car, yeah. but now if you spend the whole day sitting behind the wheel of a Maserati and stuff like that, now when you go home and sit in your car, you're going to be miserable. I hate this car, stupid car. All these people, and some people do this. They sit there and constantly fantasize about a nicer house. And look at this house, and look at this magazine, and look at the way this home, and look at this kitchen and stuff. What are they doing at the end of the day? They hate their house. The house is awful. This is terrible. My kitchen's a disaster. I hate this place. Really, see, all it does is foster discontentment. When you're looking at lusting and stuff, particularly sexually, it doesn't make things better. It always makes it worse. You want really fabulous sex life? Stop it. Stop looking at all the stuff. Pay attention to each other. It makes all the difference in the world. Mark, to what extent should a couple who is struggling in marriage, seek professional help. You know what my advice is. Yeah, that's why I ask. (laughs) People could save themselves so much grief and lots of money in professional counseling and quit sucking the life out of the pastor and everybody else around them if they would do just one very simple thing. Get some friends. Get a life, you people, for heaven's sake. And I'll say, well, I got friends. My husband has his friends and I have my friends. No, that's the problem. Yeah. Because all you do, everybody has friends that just sit there and validate your self-centered narcissistic thinking. That's why they're your friends, for heaven's sakes, because they think like you. I'm talking about having couple friends. You can't have some friends where you guys get together as couples and discuss your craziness through. You know what most people think? 
This is our business. Nobody should know our business. I'm telling you, you live on an island, just the two of you, you will turn into cannibals and you will eat each other. Marriage was never designed to be two people sitting around saying, this is our business and nobody should know our business. It will destroy your marriage. Anybody listening to me right now, that's the way you think? It's just a matter of time. Your marriage will end. It's insanity. It's pure insanity. It was never designed to be that way. You can't get some friends and sit there and say, talk your stuff out with other couples because if you would do that, that in and of itself would save you a fortune in counseling. You wouldn't need to go to counseling because now you open up and you're able to hear in a healthy environment what other people think because when you're arguing, we argue about the stupidest things on earth, yes. you know, right? And oftentimes when we start arguing, it's not about what the thing is at all. It's I want to win. When you start sharing with other people, two things happen. One is you can get great advice from people. But the biggest thing that happens is you'll often hear them say, oh, we argue about the same stupid thing, too. Oh, really? Then you don't feel like you're so wrong and so broken. And you realize everybody deals with this craziness. And if people would just find some mentoring couples, encourage people, get together once a month with a couple other couples and talk through your stupid stuff. you got to break the culture of no one should know our business. Especially, this is very powerful, if you have a badly behaving spouse. Let's say a man is uh, saying inappropriate things on Facebook to a girl. Or maybe a woman is having lunch with men by herself at work. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And they fight about it. Well, the misbehaving spouse, they dread at all costs anybody else hearing about it. They're the ones who oppose. See, because if you act like that, now let's get together with some other couples. Okay, now, Bob, explain to all these guys here (laughs) why you think it's okay to flirt with women on Facebook. He can holler and fight with her about it, but he cannot make that case to everybody else because the rest of us will slap him upside and say, you moron, stop that. Okay, it would be the end of it. Or the woman say, well, there's no reason I can't just be out with other men at lunch. There's nothing wrong. You try and sell that to the group. Nobody will buy into it. We'll say, stop it. And that in and of itself would take all the pressure out of the big argument. Get a friend. Get a friend. Get some life. Mark Ungo, I said at the top that this was going to be a very memorable conversation. It sure has. (laughs) It's great to meet you and uh, work through your advice to uh, couples. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Appreciate the opportunity. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.